Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God, living well, and we are in the grief series. I told you all, I wanted to start with something zippy and peppy and sexy, and God was like, no, we started with grief. (laughs) Um, And you know what's interesting? Ever since I started this series. You guys have been hitting me up. Um, you've been on social media, just telling me about the the things that you're grieving. And grief has been on my heart to do for every single season of this podcast. Every single season that I've done this podcast, I have wanted to do grief. And every time I wanted to like put it in the rotation, I felt like I was forcing it into the rotation. And so now is the time. And I think it is really timely because there has been so much loss. There has been so much loss and life has been challenging. And I think that we've kind of collectively tried to kind of like soldier on, so to speak. But after a while, that load gets really heavy if we haven't processed some of these losses. And so our guest today actually found me while I was a guest on somebody else's podcast. Mm -hmm. And she took the time to reach out to me and was like, sis, you blessed me. And this is when I learned about her platform. And I'm like, grief, man, that's like powerful. Like that's so necessary in this space, in the mental health space. And I have had her in mind to be on this podcast for like three whole seasons. And finally, I'm going to shake my tambourine later. But finally, she has made it to Whole and Complete Podcast. So I would like to introduce her dean, Mercier. She she goes by Mercier for the people that don't want to be fancy in French, but Mercier, her dean, Mercier. Um, and she has a podcast, Redefining Grief Podcast. Uh, she's a licensed clinical social worker, a certified grief coach. Her dean, welcome to Whole and Complete Podcast. Thank you for having me. Dr. Shantae, I'm so excited. You know, I am, I'm thrilled. And, you know, we opened up with, I think I have to tell you that in opening up this episode, you know, grief is sexy though. So you start. Okay. Okay. Right. Cause you know, I remember telling my conversation with God was how are you going to choose me to do this? Cause everybody that doesn't make it look boring. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to make grief look sexy. And so that's what I've been doing. You get your step back. You walk differently. You talk differently when you embrace the grief because you realize it came to break you, but it can't break you. Hold up. Why is she starting out? Let me give her her tambourine shakes early. Okay, y'all. Y'all see, I got the right person for the job. Um, You know, we've talked about grief. And, you know, in the first episode, we talked about, you know, why... I thought that it was necessary, but I totally get why people don't want to go there, why people just don't want to engage those negative emotions and, you know, those, those feelings of, of overwhelm. So how about we start there? I gave my two cents about why I think people ought to grieve, but Mm -hmm. how about you step in and, and pick it up? I think starting and understanding first, before we can embrace grief, right? in its whole entirety and why it's here, we have to understand that grief is this normal process. You alluded to it in the other episode. Like this is this normal process of life. And one thing that I like to say is, I think God gave us tear ducts so that we can grieve. That's just one Mm -hmm. outlet of releasing 
some of our grief emotion, understanding that grief is this conflicting feeling. One minute you can be happy about something, something else will cross your mind and you're sad and you have to release. Some of us release healthy, some of us not so much. And understanding that we do not just grieve when somebody died, you spoke about it, true fact. I think we don't realize that political unrest. You know, I think last year when you talk about the election, we went through political Girl. Girl. <laughs> last know? year, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because um, as black people, you know, and I know that that not only black people listen to my podcast, but I, I can I can speak for the, you know, the delegation when I say there was so much trauma. There was so much racial trauma. There was just so much death and there was just so much blatant brutality and all of that stress up on the way up to the election, you know, and the thing is, it's not that people were even just genuinely happy and joyful. They were just relieved just, just to have a little bit of a respite of a little bit of a break mm -hmm. from the onslaught that was 2020. And so you're right. It's not just death, you know, political unrest, civil unrest, racial injustice, police brutality. It was a lot. And then, you know, what do you do with all of that? You know what I'm saying? So it's all over social media. It's all over the news. What do you do with all of that? What, what makes sense in terms of grieving when all of this is going on? You know, I think oftentimes we try to make sense of it and put grief in a box and we can't do that. Mm. You have to understand that just like your DNA is unique to you, your whole grief journey is going to be unique to you. So it's not a one box fit all. You can't check it and say, and this is why the stages of grief. Can I just say this for all our listeners? Put it out there. Put it out the there. Stages of grief does not fit with grief. When, Dr. <laughs> <Ross> <laughs> when she created the stages of grief, she was creating it for individuals who were in the process of dying, meaning they just got the news. You got cancer. It's stage four. You're about to go to your final resting place. You may go through the stages of grief, but in this world that we now, we have people still teaching the five stages of grief, trying to put your grief in a box. And I say it no longer. I don't know if you can see it on my shirt, but it says- I saw the shirt. It yes. says what? Stop policing grief. Stop policing grief. Y'all heard that? Y'all can tweet that out. Stop yeah. policing grief. You can't police it. I think oftentimes we don't realize grieving the fact that you just possibly want some big money lawsuit, whatever. Now you have all this money and you go, how could I be grieving because I have money? You realize you're grieving with all this access money because you didn't realize that you had leeches before that are trying to suck on you even more and get more out of you. So that money comes, people become to wanting that some of that money. You identify them as the leech in your life and that makes you sad. Wow. You know, listeners, I want to pause here for a moment because Herdine is really opening up this notion that grief doesn't just come with loss. Grief can also come with gain. <laughs> Even people that like, and, and here's a, um, and I know that, that, you know, this was touched on in, in the, the second episode, but 
just like when people, there's this uh, phrase called a rainbow baby. So that when a woman has a miscarriage and then subsequently gets pregnant and brings that child forth and child is healthy and things like that, they call that the rainbow baby. And there tends to be this kind of like, oh, well, see, it all worked out because you got a new baby. But that doesn't negate the loss of the previous baby. It's like, yes, you did gain. And it's a beautiful blessing and praise God for it. There's gain. But sometimes even in that gain, it sounds like what you're saying is there can be grief. There could be grief. Think about the gain of getting married. You've been single all your life. You prayed for this. You start this union. This is the first time y'all living together. And you realizing, oh, shoot. There's some stuff that I got to deal with. You are then now having to grieve your reality. Sister, you are liberating somebody right now. I have to go back. I have to go back. <laughs> to the ancestors, you are liberating somebody right this moment. It, listen. <laughs> Somebody is grieving their singleness. Somebody yes. grieving the fact that you know what I didn't. I used to could spend money the way yes. I want to spend money, and now you yes. know I got somebody asking all kind of questions all in my business. You better talk about it, sis. Yeah. So you, we're talking about these gains that sometimes can come with moments of sadness, and what do we do when that sadness comes? I always say you honor it in truth. And the first thing, you know, I have these grief stages that I teach. I shouldn't say stages, these processes that I teach my clients is what is that first step? That first step is saying, telling the truth. What is that hard truth? That radical acceptance. Yes. I say, when you tell the truth, you liberate the soul. Hold up, y'all. I can't be shaking the tambourine all throughout the episode. <laughs> but listen, she said, when you tell the truth, you liberate the soul. the soul that is so powerful because when you when you keep trying to put off the, the grief process it will it mm -hmm. keeps you trapped it keeps you trapped mm -hmm. in the lie it keeps you trapped in before it keeps you trapped in some alternate reality some mm -hmm. what what did that man call it uh false new false new fake news you know like yes, it, yes. it keeps you trapped <laughs> in that and you're not living in truth and one thing i will tell you about god and I, I mean, I have truly, truly learned God is a truth dealer. He deals in truth. We can't come with these fabrications. You know, we can't come with these masks And because he, he's looking at us like, oh, OK, is this what we're doing? Like, because, you know, I know it all. So when you're ready to deal in truth, then I can deal with you. But until we're ready to deal in truth, we can't move forward. Mm, one of the things that I'd like to tell myself my clients, anywhere I'm speaking, is this one thing. Grief that comes with resistance does not make room for healing. I'll say it again. Grief that comes with resistance does not make room for healing. So anytime you're dealing with any type of grief, if you're resisting the truth, you can't win that war because you're fighting a fake war. So if you want to fight a war that you can win, you have to fight that war telling the truth. Y'all, you know, it's it's rare that I'm speechless because Herdine <laughs> just dropping truth bombs left and right. I mean, like she really, like this is why, this is why you, this is why 
now. And I want to go back to something that you said, because this is important. How do we, because you talked about sadness. How do we differentiate sadness from grief? Like, how do we differentiate the emotional experiences that we might be having that might be quote unquote part of grief um, Mm -hmm. versus grief? Like, how do we know if we're in grief or we're just sad? You know, we just got the blues or we're in grief. Like, how are you parsing that out? I think one of the things, and I like to break things down so people can understand it. I think anytime your heart cracks, you have to honor that heartbreak Mm. through the process of grief. Anytime your heart cracks. And sometimes that heart crack may come with shame, guilt, frustration, you being irritable. But there has to be a self-awareness to say, I acknowledge that I'm sad. I acknowledge that I'm irritable. I acknowledge that, wait a minute. My heart is broken. (laughs) Not just broken. I acknowledge what I call pacifying behaviors. What are the behaviors that I typically run to when my heart cracks, when my heart is broken? For some individuals, it's the refrigerator door that keeps opening and shutting. And they're not hungry, but they're eating. Come For on some now. individuals, it's being in toxic relationships. For some individuals, it is keeping themselves busy. The highly functioning grief person. Honey. <laughs> okay. And people think that they're superwoman or superman, but they're dying inside. This is so powerful. And listeners, here's what I don't want you to miss, okay? Because I don't like to tiptoe through the tulips. Y'all know me, I'm a straight shooter. And I know that this word is gonna sound like a four-letter word to so many of you. But what Herdeen is saying is that you have to be willing to be vulnerable in your grief process. You're gonna have to, and it's the antithesis. Let me just speak to black women for a hot second. It's the antithesis of everything we've been taught. I'm going to take the black men for a second. It's the antithesis of everything you've been taught. Don't be no punk. Don't be no, you know, like suck it up, be a man, man up, you know? And so we have been kind of socialized into these performances of what it is to be a strong man, what it is to be a strong woman. What was that? So so Beyonce's uh, album Lemonade, when she was talking about, you know, me and my baby, we going to be all right. We going to live a good life. It's it's that sort of thing. Like, yeah, you can leave the relationship. We're going to be cool. Yeah. You know, I lost that job. I get another one. And I, oh, you know who I think is in grief just from the outside looking in Shikari Richardson. I think she is in big time grief. Shikari, even though her relationship with her biological mother was fraught, that yeah. that shame shield, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about the shame shields and how we just kind of move against like, I'm cool. I'm still that. I'm still going to be that. Like, you can talk all the stuff that you want to talk. And I just I just want to run over and be like, just hug her and be like, sis, you, it's OK. You, you can grieve. You know, you can do that because that's what we've been taught to do, that we can't be broken down, that we can't be weak, that we can't show any sort of vulnerability Otherwise, that makes us less than. And that just sounds like a lie from the pit of hell, Herdeen. It is a lie from the pit of hell, Dr. John Day. Let me tell you why. Because I'm going to tell you why. Until you acknowledge your grief and pause. See, oftentimes people Mm. aren't pausing to say, I see you. 
Hello, grief. I see you want to show up at my door today. Let me tell you, I have a whole conversation with grief. Oh, oh you okay. Talk about it. <laughs> oh, oh, you showing up today? So let me tell you how we're going to handle you today. I'm going to give you 15 minutes of my time. I'm going to write it out. I'm going to cry it out. I'm going to play some gospel music. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to contact a friend. Now, I'm going to skip my phases and go to this one that is very critical in my steps. And that's that third one. It's called the connection anchors. I talk about the first anchor, which is the truth anchor. The third anchor is the connection anchor. And this is a piece that I need people to understand. Your grief community may not be your family. Shakes tambourine. <laughs> your grief community may not be your best friend. Your grief community, in some cases, may not be your mentor. Not because they can't, they don't have the capacity, and some don't have the knowledge to help you process grief. So they end up saying things that makes you go into your grief. God's going to handle it. You know, God gave it and he's going to take it away. That's not what you want to hear right now. That toxic positivity, that, that yes. silver lining playbook. Yes. <laughs> Especially bottled up. You can't say you mad at your creator for your grief journey right now. Because if you say it out loud in an unsafe space, you're fearful that you're going to be judged. Mm. And you know what? I'll take that a step further. In order for somebody to be a part of your grief community, that person has to have the capacity for empathy. Empathy means it's, it's not sympathy. It's not, oh, poor you. I feel sorry for you. I'm a pray for you. No, empathy is I'm with, I'm in it with you. I am right there. I am right there. And in order for you to empathize with somebody, you too have to be vulnerable. You yeah. have to acknowledge the places where you, where, where your life was dark and rocky and sad and, and remember some heartbreak and things like that. And so, because we like to bottle and we like to close and we like to sweep under the rug and shut the door. Another reason people can't be in your grief community is because they're not willing to to, to, be, to own their truth. They're not willing to walk in their truth. And so you can't work grief out with somebody who's living a lie. Mm -mm. It's like, I remember uh, a few episodes back when I talked about radical acceptance, you, you got to be, if you, if you are, are in the water, you know, you've been knocked in and you splashing around and what have you, you can't help somebody else that's already in the water. You got, to, you got to help from the shore. <laughs> you, you have to have already accepted your truth and gotten out. And then you can reach back for somebody else. But one of the, the things that keeps people from, you know, engaging deeply in the grief is you're right. Surrounding yourself with people who just don't have the capacity to really go there with you. And I always say, if you don't know what to say, say this to those who are grieving around you. I don't know what you're going through, but I will show up for you in this season the way you want me to. And right now, you may not know, but it may look like a meal, right? Mm. It may look like a phone call that doesn't expect a return call. Say this again. It may look like a text that doesn't respect, re expect a reply. Come on now. All right? Just I'm thinking of you. 
And the reason I say season, because the first season of your grief is gonna look different from the fifth season and the 10th season of your grief. And Herdeen, what are you talking about seasons? See, season, there's no time frame to grief. I think people- I'm so glad you said that because that surely was the next question. People <laughs> like to count it. Not only do they police the grief, <laughs> they like to rush the grief. <laughs> there's no time frame every season if it shows up, say, hello, Grief, it comes with something else. For example, if you're a woman that was married for 10 years and it's the 25th year of that was supposed to be your marriage and it hits you and you cry, and people are like, but why are you crying? Did you want the divorce? And you might have a whole new husband. You might have a whole, whole new family. <laughs> It's the realization that dream never really happened. What we don't realize is that when we get married or we get in relationships, we don't just say, hey, this is the first year and don't dream past it. We go to the 25th year. This is what it's going to look like. Renewing our vows. The 50th year. This is what it's going to look like. We got like. a whole plan. A whole plan. And in order to close the plan, Sometimes it requires you to honor the grief. Mm. Oh, y'all, th- Herdeen, this is hitting my soul. Listeners, if it ain't hitting your soul, I don't know what you're listening to. I don't, I, I can't call it. I don't know what to tell you. But this is this is manna. This is meat on the bone, y'all. And it's important for you all to to really, because again, the the title of the podcast is a whole and complete. Okay, mm-hmm. I, my only goal here is for you to live whole and complete lives. And you can't live a whole and complete life when there are parts of your life that you just refuse to acknowledge how you feel about. It, it's sometimes, and, and, you know, and and shout out to the people who can be like. Pfft, done deal, closed door, you know, ain't looking back. May the Lord God bless you real good. That's, that's awesome. But for the bulk of us, most of us, that's just not our testimony. We we might try to be on social media and act like it is, but that's just not our testimony. And, you know, I keep going back to her, you know, to that, that, that interview with Oprah and the Duchess, you know, Meghan Markle, she was on the brink, like a whole eight months pregnant thinking about how she was going to end her life. She had a whole plan. And, and, and from the outside looking in, we're like, oh man, she married a prince and they lived happily ever after. She, oh my gosh. You know, she was in grief almost her whole pregnancy. She was in grief almost the whole marriage until she finally, you know, left that toxic situation. And even though they doing great, she's had a beautiful girl and, you know, they, Everybody and their mama is throwing money at them and businesses are popping and thriving. You don't think there's grief about the status of that relationship? You don't think there's grief about the tension over there in the world? Of course there is. You don't think Harry is grieving like, dang, I lost my mama and now I'm going through this situation and, and I could really use her right now. Mm-hmm. Princess Diana been dead over 20 years, yes. you know, and and you don't think he grieves and, and the relationship with his father is not great. So listeners like her Dean's shirt says that I know you can't see her shirt. Mm-hmm. Not only stop policing other people's grief, but stop putting no, yourself in that box. Stop, mm-hmm. stop beating yourself up because things got triggered or something came back to your remembrance. Now, please leave us with some tips. Like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm about to put all your social media out there. I'm like, 
her didn't you taking clients sis because ma'am because <laughs> ma'am um i know there's somebody that's that's listening to need to hear it but for somebody who is is grieving the loss i i, I recently had somebody on social media say that you know they had a uh a medical procedure and now their wound is gone. And even though they didn't have children and even though they were past childbearing age, there's just something that was so final about it mm-hmm. that, and she's like, grief is grief. I say, yeah, grief is, is grief. You know, we don't, we don't get to say, oh, well that's grievable and that's not grievable. We don't get to do that. So can you speak to those people who are kind of hesitant about acknowledging their grief and and what should they do to kind of like process it in healthy ways to, to keep out of the refrigerator um so that they're not doing maladaptive coping mechanisms say this you have to first understand that you can't solve grief with your brain you only can solve grief with your heart mm. and when you're connected to the heart it allows you that space where you can be vulnerable with self. I think when I think about vulnerability, I think about being naked. And some of us are afraid to be naked and look in the mirror with our emotions. You know, that first step that I teach is tell the truth, liberates the soul. The second step is saying the heart, examine your heart. Hearts can be restored. Come on now. Restored. I got to say that. Your heart can be restored. What keeps us getting to that point where it is restored is that we try to go to the old us before our heart broke, not realizing you can't get that brokenness again. God has to come together and mend your heart so that it can keep beating. It's going to beat a different beat, but it's beating. Mm. Come on now. What happens is we get stuck in trying to get the old way of its beating pattern, not realizing there's a new way to this beat. You're going to survive it and your heart can be restored. The The third thing is acknowledging that community. There is power in community. Yes. Finding that grief community, that person that sees you, hear you without judgment. And oftentimes I find people tell me, well, my mama is my grief community. How is your mama supporting you? She's telling me, hurry up the process. You've been waiting too long. That's your ex. Why are you worrying about it? Once you start hearing things like that, that's not your, they're your birth mother. But in this situation, they can't support you. Your grief community is that somebody that can hear you. Faith, anchoring in that faith is that fourth one. How do we anchor in our faith? You know, my favorite scripture, and I told you earlier that I've been studying and looking at grief and watching people grieve since I was seven. Mm-hmm. It says that death is the destiny of everyone and the living should take it to heart. It is better to go to a, it is better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a house party. This is my term of, is Ecclesiastic 7 verse 2. And what I've gathered from that is, my life lessons of how I elevate myself is how other people have grieved and what they did. I know their grief was journey, but what is the lessons that I can extract from it? Case in point, my very first funeral, I never went to a funeral. My very first funeral of four caskets in the front was, my a, goodness. was a grandmother and her three grandbabies. They died in a house fire. Mm. So my little 10-year-old, 11-year-old mind took 
never play with matches. Wow. So I taught myself that. I have three kids of my own. I taught them and told them why we don't play with matches, right? So I honored their lives by not having it happen to us, taking that wisdom from their death, right? Others will never forget. I attended of a woman who was her ex, baby daddy, attended her funeral. What I found out that, you know, he murdered her. Oh, no. He could not see her happy and engaged with somebody else. He murdered her. So what that taught me is to be in a lovable relationship is not just the words, it's the action. I will mm-hmm. never look at your words. Your action comes first. So the grief that comes in our lives, we can learn from them. And that final anchor is restoration, understanding that you can be restored. And sometimes what keep us locked in the bondage of grief is that we don't believe we are worthy of healing. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And that that's really powerful because sometimes I think what's really important and listeners hear me hear this, that second step where her Dean is talking about examining the heart, pay attention to what you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. When grief happens, T- pay attention to what you, you tell yourself, you know, about yourself because guilt comes up and you start telling yourself, if you had been a better mother, if you hadn't worked so many jobs, if you wouldn't have, you know, took up with June bug, if, if, you know, if ifs and buts was candy and nuts, like we, we do those types of things. And so when you, it's hard to get to restoration when you don't feel like you deserve it. Like, Obviously, if this happened, to, I, I can't be that good of a person. Otherwise, these things wouldn't have happened to begin with. And so we don't even look to be restored. We just look to try to survive. And there's a, a world of difference between surviving and trying to just make it and, and just barely getting by. And I also want to drive home what Herdeen said about that, that community. Listen. I'm speaking to all my fellow introverts. I'm speaking to my people. Mi gente, I know you out there. <laughs> Don't you do it? Because I'm because that's who I am. My family knows and has known for a long time that if I'm having some sort of problem, some sort of struggle, they won't hear about it. I, I'm like, nope, I got it. I'm on my own. It's me and Jesus. Like, that's just what it is. And sometimes Jesus is looking at me like, you better call some people. You know, I put some people in your life, you know, that that can pour into you, that can speak to you, that can talk you off the ledge. Like you better reach out and touch somebody. And I know that sometimes we're resistant to do that. And we feel like, you know, I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T, you got to be all independent. You Listen, grief is is not a solo journey. It's, it's not solo dolo. And don't get me wrong. It might be you that are experiencing the grief, but it doesn't mean that you have to carry it alone. You know, the Bible encourages us to bear one another's burdens and enc- encourages us to hold space for one another. This is not anything new. Like literally, literally, after all that God had created and made, he looked at Adam's situation and was like, yeah, you need somebody. <laughs> he said, it's not good for man to be alone. You need somebody. And so, you know, if, if that's God's take on it and, and many of us who listen to this show are believers, don't try to, to walk this grief journey by yourself because that is not, that is not the will of God. Okay. And I think sometimes people make the mistake 
of thinking um, they are going to honor their loved one's life by prolonging the grief and not trying to find joy. Mm. See, happiness and sadness can coexist. Happiness and sadness can coexist. Yeah. Well, Herdeen, what is your social media? Are you taking client? Are you because you know caseloads are heavy right now? Like I'm telling you, I've I've spoken to so many counselors that are like, Dr. Shante, I love you, but listen, I need three months. So are you taking clients right now? Okay. So you can visit herdeenmercier.com to schedule any consultation. And yes, I am currently taking clients. That's herdeenmercier.com. You can also listen to the podcast, Redefining Grief Podcast, amazing episodes of individuals getting to restoration with their grief journey, whatever that may be. Um, and then on all social media platforms, is Herdeen Mercier. But where I really love to play is Instagram. That's where I answer all questions, pull a lot of content out there. I'm even on TikTok under Herdeen Mercier. Girl, I am not ready for TikTok. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. So yeah. listeners, I will put all her Dean's information in the show notes so that you can get all of that good stuff. Uh, her Dean, I don't have the words to adequately thank you for the gift that you have brought to this episode and to our listeners. And so listeners, if you have any questions, comments, takeaways, hit me up, hit her Dean up, and I will see you guys next time.